I like the sound. 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 A ragbag podcast. A ragbag podcast. A ragbag podcast. A ragbag podcast. This is an English translation of a traditional African poem called Les Soufflés. This version is credited to the Senegalese poet and storyteller Barago Diop. Listen to things more often than beings. Hear the voice of fire. Hear the voice of water. Listen in the wind to the size of the bush. This is the ancestors breathing. Those who are dead are not ever gone. They are in the darkness that grows lighter, and in the darkness that grows darker. The dead are not down in the earth. They are in the trembling of the trees, in the groaning of the woods, in the water that runs, in the water that sleeps. They are in the hut. They are in the crowd. The dead are not dead. Listen to things more often than beings. Hear the voice of fire. Hear the voice of water. Listen in the wind to the bush that is sighing. This is the breathing of ancestors who have not gone away, who are not under earth, who are not really dead. Those who are dead are not ever gone. They are in a woman's breast, in the wailing of a child, and the burning of a log, in the moaning rock, in the weeping grasses, in the forest and the home. The dead are not dead. Listen more often to things than to beings. Hear the voice of fire. Hear the voice of water. Listen in the wind to the bush that is sobbing. This is the ancestors breathing. Each day they renew ancient bonds, ancient bonds that hold fast, binding our lot to their law, to the will of the spirits stronger than we, to the spell of our dead who are not really dead whose covenant binds us to life, whose authority binds us to their will, the will of the spirits that stir in the bed of the river, on the banks of the river, the breathing of spirits who moan in the rocks and weep in the grasses. Spirits inhabit the darkness that lightens, the darkness that darkens, the quivering tree, the murmuring wood, the water that runs and the water that sleeps, spirits much stronger than we, the breathing of the dead who are not really dead, of the dead who are not really gone, of the dead now no more in the earth. Listen to things more often than beings. Hear the voice of fire, hear the voice of water. Listen in the wind to the bush that is sobbing. This is the ancestors breathing. Today we're going to be talking about ancient forms of long-distance communication in various parts of the world. The theme of this week's episode was inspired by a book I've been reading. It's not a book about sound, although I'm going to be quoting a relevant passage from it shortly. I just think it's a really absorbing and brilliantly written book. I highly recommend it. It's called Congo, the Epic History of a People, and it's by David Van Raybrook. The title says what it is, really. It's a history of the Congo from the point of view of the Congolese people rather than an outsider's view or the view of their European colonisers. And it's full of things like this. Here's a short passage from the book which serves as an illustration of life within Central Africa in the year 500.
The family lived in a smallish village with a few other families, but between villages new forms of cooperation were arising. Agriculture's ongoing march resulted in family ties across a larger area. Perhaps even then each village would have had its own gong or slip drop, a hollow log on which one could produce two tones, one high and one low. This allowed them to send messages across a great distance, not vague alarm signals, but extremely precise messages, entire sentences, bits of news and stories. When someone died, his name, nickname and calls of condolence were ruffled around. When a hut burned down, when a prey was killed or a family member came to visit, the villagers drummed the news from place to place. Early in the morning or late in the evening, when the air was cold, you could hear the beats for miles around. Distant villages passed the information along to even more distant villages. The peoples of Central Africa never developed a system of writing, but their drummed language was ingenious. Information was not stored for the future, but broadcast immediately across field and forest and shared with the community. 19th century explorers were amazed to find that the villages where they came ashore had been expecting them for a long time. When they learned that a drummed message could travel up to 600 kilometers in a single day, they spoke laughingly of the bush telegraph. They didn't know that this form of communication easily preceded Morse's invention by a millennium and a half. Now let's skip across to South America by way of Australasia. This is from an article published in New Zealand's Matura Ensign newspaper, dated 13th of December 1898. The original of the telephone. There are many claimants to the honour of having been the first to invent the telephone, and the fact is that few people know who was the actual inventor. It is generally attributed to Edison or Graham Bell, but it seems that it is anything but a modern idea. Travellers in the district of the Amazon tell us that the Kataquinaru Indians, since time immemorial, have been accustomed to correspond from one camp to another by means of a little device that recalls to one the small toy parchment telephones we used to play with in childhood's days. They bury a hollow wooden cylinder in the earth, filling it half full of sand, fragments of bones and pulverised mica. The upper part remains empty and is closed by a piece of leather, wood or india rubber. This instrument is called a kambarisu. In the next camp, perhaps 1600 yards away, is another similar instrument. When one camp wishes to correspond with another, they strike violently with a mallet on the kambarisu and the sound is transmitted by the earth to the kambarisu of the other camp. As soon as the inhabitants hear the signal, they answer by a similar one and then two individuals, putting their ears to the apparatus, can converse as easily as we do at an up-to-date telephone. They can hear just as distinctly, and certainly have one advantage over us, in that they are not continually being hustled away to make room for someone else. A traveller who has investigated this primitive telephone says he is inclined to think that the nature of the soil has something to do with the wonderful transmission of sound.
A songline, also called a dreaming track, is one of the paths across the land, or sometimes the sky, within the animist belief system of the First Nations people of Australia, which mark the route followed by localised creator beings during the dreaming. The paths of the song lines are recorded in traditional song cycles, stories, dance and art, and are often the basis of ceremonies. They are a vital part of Aboriginal culture, connecting people to their land. The dreaming, or the dream time, has been described as a sacred narrative of creation that is seen as a continuous process that links traditional Aboriginal people to their origins. Ancestors are believed to play a large role in the establishment of sacred sites as they traversed the continent long ago. Animals were created in the dreaming and also played a part in creation of the lands and heavenly bodies. Song lines connect places and creation events and the ceremonies associated with those places. Oral history about places and the journeys are carried in song cycles and each Aboriginal person has obligations to their birthplace. The songs become the basis of the ceremonies that are enacted in those specific places along the song lines. A song line has been called a dreaming track as it marks out a route across the land or sky followed by one of the creator beings or ancestors in the dreaming. A knowledgeable person is able to navigate across the land by repeating the words of a song which describe the location of landmarks, waterholes and other natural phenomena. In some cases, the paths of the creator beings are said to be evident from their marks on the land, such as large depressions in the land, which are said to be their footprints. By singing the songs in the appropriate sequence, Aboriginal people could navigate vast distances, often travelling through the deserts of Australia's interior. The continent of Australia contains an extensive system of song lines, some of which are of a few kilometres, while others traverse hundreds of kilometres through lands of many different Aboriginal peoples. Peoples who may speak markedly different languages and have different cultural traditions. One song line marks a 3,500 kilometre route connecting the central desert region with the east coast to the place now called Byron Bay. Desert peoples travelled to the ocean to observe fishing practices and coastal people travelled inland to sacred sites. Since a song line can span the lands of several different language groups, different parts of the song are said to be in those different languages. Languages are not a barrier because the melodic canter of the song describes the nature of the land over which the song passes. The rhythm is what is crucial to understanding the song. Listening to the song of the land is the same as walking on this song line and observing the land. Song lines have been described as a cultural passport which when sung in the language of a particular region and mob show respect to the people of that country. Neighbouring groups are connected because the song cycles crisscross all over the continent. All Aboriginal groups traditionally share beliefs in the ancestors and related laws. People from different groups interacted with each other based on their obligations along the song lines. In some cases a song line has a particular direction and walking the wrong way along a song line can be a sacrilegious act. Aboriginal people regard all land as sacred and the songs must be continually sung to keep the land alive. 
Their connection to country describes a strong and complex relationship with the land of their ancestors, or mob. Aboriginal identity often links to their language groups and traditional country of their ancestors. Songlines not only map routes across the continent and pass on culture, but also express connectedness to country. Songlines are often passed down in families, passing on important knowledge and cultural values. Let's finish by paying a quick visit to North America's native people. This story is taken from Yuval Noah Harari's best-selling book, Sapiens. On 20th of July, 1969, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin landed on the surface of the moon. In the months leading up to their expedition, the Apollo 11 astronauts trained in a remote moon-like desert in the western United States. The area is home to several Native American communities, and there is a story, or legend, describing an encounter between the astronauts and one of the locals. One day, as they were training, the astronauts came across an old Native American. The man asked them what they were doing there. They replied that they were part of a research expedition that would shortly travel to explore the moon. When the old man heard that, he fell silent for a few moments, and then asked the astronauts if they would do him a favour. What do you want? they asked. Well, said the old man, the people of my tribe believe that holy spirits live on the moon. I was wondering if you could pass an important message to them from my people. What's the message? asked the astronauts. The man uttered something in his tribal language and then asked the astronauts to repeat it again and again until they had memorized it correctly. What does it mean? asked the astronauts. Oh, I cannot tell you. It's a secret that only our tribe and the moon spirits are allowed to know. When they returned to their base, the astronauts searched and searched until they found someone who could speak the tribal language and asked him to translate the secret message. When they repeated what they had memorised, the translator started to laugh uproariously. When he calmed down, the astronauts asked him what it meant. The man explained that the sentence that they had memorised so carefully meant... Don't believe a single word these people are telling you. They have come to steal your lands.
en año no más, por donde viniste, por ahí te regrese. Ay conmigo, que nadie se meta, ay conmigo, que nadie se meta. I Like the Sound was written, presented and produced by myself, Frank Burton. I'm the author of several books which you should definitely investigate as soon as possible. For more information about me and my work, please visit frankburton.co.uk. My other podcast is called Ragbag Presents. Also available is the four-part podcast series I made with David Ivar, celebrating 20 years of the band Herman Doom. It's called Not On Top, and it's wonderful. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Ragbag Presents. Get in touch. Let us know what you like the sound of. I will see you soon.